We do have a great team. Uh, our staff is a wonderful staff. They're very fun to work with. And uh, Greg and Sharon, thank you for the music and worship, and Kara and Cindy and Katie for our skits and games this morning to help us uh, do a fun family fifth Sunday. And of course, everyone who volunteers their time. Uh, there's no way that we could do what God has called us to do without everyone coming together and offering their gifts in sacrifice and in service to God's kingdom. Hey, if you're visiting with us this morning, a special welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you better, and one of the ways you can help us do that is to fill out a Connect card that's in the seat back in front of you. And if you'd be willing to turn it in after the service is over, uh, you can hand it to me or to anyone on staff in the lobby. We'd love to just give you a small gift as our way of saying thanks for coming out to worship today. And more importantly, we'd just love to have a chance to greet you personally. So please uh, consider turning in a Connect card, and that would just help us get to know you better. Uh, We are in our uh, second week of a four-part series that we're calling Love, Mercy, and Do Justice. And in this series, we're, we're really focusing on trying to develop what we're calling a biblical framework for how we can understand what it means for us as followers of Jesus Christ to participate in this call of God to love mercy and to do justice in the society around us and in this world that God has created. Uh, our, our hope is to just begin a conversation that we can keep going because we know that the, the topic uh, of justice and compassion and mercy and and the need in our society and our world is so great, there's no way that we could do it justice in just four weeks. So our hope is to at least begin to lay the foundation for how we can pursue an ongoing conversation for us as a faith community of how we can be a part of responding to the call of God in our lives to be ambassadors of peace and reconciliation and to pursue compassion, mercy, and justice in our society. Now, it's important, we mentioned this last week, our intention in doing this is not to promote any particular political party or political ideology, Uh, and so if you are concerned in any way that talking about social justice issues has a political overtone or undertone, please know that our heart in this series is to look at the demands of the loyalty to the kingdom of God that Jesus invites us to live into, which in our view should, should call into submission every political ideology and every political party and every human institution. Amen? I mean, even the church needs to to view our life under the kingdom of God and what God has called us to be and to do in Christ as our Lord. In our increasingly hostile and argumentative social and political climate in our country, it is so important that we understand that the church should be a safe place where we can talk about the hard conversations and pursue difficult questions about how do we love each other well? How do we pursue peace and justice in our world? And rather than being polarized and in conflict with one another, the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ should allow us to be able to sit down together and in a face-to-face dialogical way be able to talk about the hard issues in our lives and in our world. So our hope at Faith Covenant Church is that we can be a safe place for people who struggle with answering these difficult questions, that we can be a people who become honest and open about what the needs are of our society and our world, and that we can learn from one another in an atmosphere of trust, because our true heart is that we can be a people that are led by the Spirit of God, so that we can live out the Word of God as people of the kingdom of God in this world. 
Would you let me pray for us one more time as we begin to look into Scripture again this morning and ask God to speak to each one of us in the way that we need to hear this morning as a special word to us. God, we do thank you that you are not a God who is silent. You have spoken through the centuries. You have spoken through your word and you've spoken through your people. And we ask that through your spirit, you would speak again to us today. Help us to to hear what we need to hear from the word of God and from the spirit of God about the kingdom of God and how we are invited to live out a life of mercy and justice as a part of God's people in our time and in our place and in our day. We ask that you would bless us and you would continue to lead us so that we can give you the glory for your saving work in our lives and what you would choose to do through us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Last week, we looked at how Jesus, according to his own kind of mission statement, came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God in the world. That the kingdom of God was not something that was coming someday, but because Jesus was here, the kingdom of God was now here as well. And, And that Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God in a way that describes Uh, or Jesus describes the kingdom of God in a way that was based on what God had revealed about his heart and his mission to this world throughout uh, his word that he revealed to his people in the Bible. And and Jesus' perspective on what the kingdom of God really is is that it's not just a a personal faith between me and God alone, but that creates a society of transformation that goes outward from the community of faith to make a difference in the world based on what we call the Jesus creed of loving God and loving others well. Jesus took that Old Testament Shema creed of the Israelite people to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he added on to it this commitment to love your neighbor as yourself. And in so doing, he transformed our understanding of the kingdom of God, that it's not just for those who are already in the in-group, but it's to transform the society and the world around us. Now, we talked about looking at a book called The Jesus Creed by Scott McKnight, Loving God, Loving Others. We're not going through the book. We're just taking our inspiration from the book for a part of the series. But I can recommend this book to you if you would like to, to go deeper into how does this Jesus Creed of loving God and love others revolutionize our religious thinking about what God really does require of us? And that was the question we started with last week, right? Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord really require of us? He has already shown you, O mortal. If you go back from the beginning of God's communication to his people, he's woven in through his dialogue with his people and in the scriptures what God's requirements are. And they're not religious rules and systems and, and, and church attendance. They're learning to love mercy and to do justice and to walk humbly with our God. We talked about how loving mercy was meeting the need and doing justice is solving the problem. We're called to to have compassion and mercy for those who are struggling and in need and to to help meet the need. But but the the need will always be there, right? Unless we can figure out what's, what's the problem that's causing the need in the first place. And do we have any responsibility to not just meet the need, but to address the cause of the need and to try and help solve the problem. Loving mercy is meeting the need. Doing justice is solving the problem. 
In the book, McKnight also suggests that the idea that kingdom living has a real impact on the society around us has not always been good news to many people in the church over the centuries. And in a very simplistic way, some Christians worry that if we start talking about social justice issues, that, that they've seen people get lost in the whole love other side to the point where they kind of forget about this whole loving God side, right? And that, that has happened in, in our own society in the past. On the other side, other Christians worry that these uh, love God types, as McKnight calls them, uh, don't often uh, become intentional about actually lending a helping hand to other people or even concerning themselves with solving the problems of this world because they see Christianity as a, a personal get-out-of-hell-free card from Jesus, and, and I've got my ticket to heaven, and this world's going to hell in a handbasket, so why should I care about this world at all, Right? My ticket's paid, and I'm off to the, the promised land. There's been a lot of arguments back and forth over the years, and I think that what we learned last week and what we're learning through this series is that as we look to what Jesus' perspective is on the kingdom of God, we cannot have loving God without loving others. The two go hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin. And if we allow ourselves to give up one or the other, then we get off track and we experience what we've been talking about uh, over the recent weeks of more adventures in missing the point. You see, in order to live into Jesus' kingdom dream and to see a greater society of justice around us, we need to really understand what is kingdom justice? What does the Bible say justice really is? In Jesus' understanding of the kingdom, justice is deeper than simple retribution or punishment. But too often we think of justice and the justice system, which is a system of courts and punishments and jail time and all of those things. And we think of justice as being retributive and punishment oriented. But Jesus isn't about retribution and punishment. In fact, all the teachings that he does as you go through scripture are polar opposite to the way we normally think about justice in our world. In the Bible, justice is more about making something right than about punishing someone for doing wrong. The, the Bible's word for justice that's more often used is the word righteousness, right? God, throughout the Bible, talks about his passion and his heart that his people experience and live into this idea of righteousness. And in the Bible, righteousness is about living in right relationship. It's about living in right relationship with God. It's about living in right relationship with each other as human beings. And I'd suggest it's even about learning to live in right relationship with the creation that God has given us. And so this biblical idea of righteousness has a lot more to do with justice than we might think. And the question is, has God invited us and empowered us as followers of Jesus to be a part of bringing right relationships to God's world? Is God have a job for us to do to put people in right relationship with God, to mend relationships with human beings, and to live in a more compassionate and caring community in our world? You see, loving mercy and doing justice are less about retribution and punishment and a legal system, and they're much more about helping to restore people to relationship with God and with one another. It's all about how can we help make things right in God's world. 
Now, in the ancient past, if you're familiar with some of the ancient forms of justice, there was an old saying that was kind of their standard, and it was what? An eye for an eye, right? If you take my eye, then I have the right to come and take your eye. That's fair compensation. That's right punishment. And it's all about that legalistic kind of what is fair and right, and how can I get my comeuppance? How can I get my three pounds of flesh out of whoever has done me wrong? And I would say too often as human beings, that's our natural first step is right. Is is if you've done this to me, I need to get equal, if not greater value in my mind back out of you. And if I don't, then that's not fair. That's not just, that's not justice. But I think what we see as we look at the teachings of Jesus, that, that Jesus' concern isn't about punishment, but it's about restoration. And, and, and is a justice a part of bringing people to an experience of restoration in their own lives and relationships? Or does the way that we pursue justice actually create more cycles of injustice? If you look to Uh, The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. I wish we could have time just to read through the whole Sermon on the Mount, right? But, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. All all of the people that that Jesus identifies as the ones who are the down and outs, the losers, the criers, the mourners, the people who are sick. And and those are the ones who the kingdom of God has come for, right? And in verse 38, he says, You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. Does that sound like justice to you? Not to me, right? In verse 43, he says, You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's our natural human tendency, right? You would be justified in hating your enemy. They're your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. What? is Jesus talking about. That's not justice. That's not fair. That's, that's being a doormat, turning the other cheek. No, that's not what we want to do. We want to we get our justice, right? See, for Jesus, as you look through the scriptures and, and you look in the Sermon on the Mount and similar passages in the other Gospels in Luke, the biblical standard for justice that Jesus identified is the Jesus Creed, loving God and loving others. You see, if we truly love God first and foremost in our lives, and we allow that love to, to motivate us to love other people in our lives, and it's not only the people who love us back, right? It's the, the enemy. It's the, the person who has no, no money to give back to us. It's the person who we wouldn't normally associate with. When we are motivated to love those who are different from us and who are far from us, and sometimes even those in conflict with us, that we then begin to participate in restoring human relationships and human systems and human societies. Not because we're seeking retribution, but because we become a part of seeking God's restoration. See, this is the vision that the kingdom of God, that Jesus has for the kingdom of God and that he came to bring us to make things right in our world, according to Jesus, can only come when we learn how to love one another better. When we learn how to live out the love that God has demonstrated for us, then we can begin to work together to change the social and the societal systems that continue to oppress and separate and break down human relationships and people groups and nations. In every 
word and sentence and letter of Jesus' teaching, we see a deep concern by God for the vulnerable, those who are on the margins, those who are not in the in-group, but the ones that we easily overlook, that we ignore, that we don't pay attention to or talk about because we simply don't have to. And we can see that addressing injustice is central to Jesus' personal mission in bringing the kingdom of God by looking at his teaching. I want to look today in Luke chapter 4, simply to look at Jesus' inaugural sermon, right? Jesus is called by God. The the Spirit descends on him, and he's launched into ministry, and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil and, and to seek God's call in his life. And afterwards, he comes back, and he shows up at the synagogue, And he returns to his hometown of Galilee, it says, in the power of the Spirit. And in verse 16, it says, then he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to who? Good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See, today the kingdom of God has come among you. Today in Jesus, the Spirit has anointed him to start this mission. And it's polar opposite than the way we would approach it, right? God comes for those who are powerful, for those who are popular, for those who are rich, for those who are in the in crowd. God comes for us because we, you know, we deserve it, right? And Jesus is going, you don't get it. The kingdom of God's heart breaks for all those who are overlooked and kept out and kept down. And what we need to see is that we are really no better than anyone else. That in God's economy, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God and our righteousness is but filthy rags. And because of that level playing field that Jesus Christ creates on the cross, we need to learn that we can come together in a new way as a a new humanity that's brought together through the Jesus creed of loving God and loving others. And as we do that, we get to participate in making things right again. You see, Jesus' understanding of the kingdom of God turns the values of this world upside down. The Jesus way of living out the Jesus creed is what fulfills the goals of biblical justice. By taking the inequities and injustices of this world and making things right again through the power of unconditional love. You see, for Jesus, kingdom of God, justice is not about punishment. It's about restoration. It's about overcoming evil with good. And what we learn from Jesus is that punishment, if punishment were the goals of the kingdom of God, then none of us would be included, would we? If you think about it, if punishment were the goals of the kingdom of God, he wouldn't have set his son to die for us in our stead. He wouldn't have offered his mercy and his grace uh, and, and taking the cost on himself. 
But that's what he's done. And, and, and then he invites us to say, what right do we then have to turn to our brother or sister and demand the same cost of them when he hasn't demanded it of us? You see, the reality that Jesus reveals is that retribution and punishment cannot achieve the transformation of human life and human society that God desires and for the reason for why he sent his son. Only a Jesus Creed-inspired love for our fellow brothers and sisters and our fellow human beings can motivate us to overcome those systems of brokenness and to be a part of changing the world around us. If you look at each of the instances in these texts, Jesus is concerned with restoring human beings who have been broken, restoring the people who have been stepped on, restoring the people who have been uh, treated unfairly. God's restoration comes for those in this world who need good news. And for Jesus, our, our experience of biblical justice can clearly be distinguished by how we treat other people around us, or by how we fail to treat other people around us, right? I mean, I, I wish we had time to do Matthew 25, but if you go into the scene in Matthew 25, it's the, the end uh, of history and the judgment seat of Christ, and all the people come before for Jesus for final judgment, and, and who gets in and who gets out, right? The ones who get in are the ones who loved mercy and did justice, you know, Jesus says, you know, uh, enter into to your father's glory or happiness because you, you gave me a cup of water when I was thirsty. You, you clothed me when I was naked. You visited me when I was in prison. And they're like, when did we do that? <laughs> right? As much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. And for those who didn't make it, right? As much as you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. You, you missed the point. You didn't work for justice. You didn't pay, pay it forward to those that God calls us to pay it forward to. See, from beginning, Jesus' inaugural sermon, through all of his teaching, and at the very end of history, Jesus reveals in Matthew 25, Jesus teaches a restorative justice that seeks to transform every human relationship and every human system through a Jesus-inspired love and forgiveness and mercy and grace. So really the question for us is then, where do we see our world and our society falling short of the Jesus creed? I mean, we heard today that for our kids this month, right? Honesty is our virtue. I mean, if we're really going to be honest with ourselves and we're going to be honest with one another, uh, how good are we really doing at living into a, a kingdom of God kind of justice, a Jesus creed kind of justice in our own country? I mean, if we think about a society that worships youth and beauty and energy, how are we really treating our senior citizens and our elderly people? And are we caring for them and valuing them? Or do you guys all begin to feel marginalized and left behind? Is that a justice issue that we should be concerned about? Or what about the immigrant? I mean, aren't we a country that was founded on immigrants who came to build a new life and to sacrifice for building a better future? And yet, how are we losing our very DNA as a country to understand how do we even deal with the idea of immigration? And again, I'm not advocating for one way or the other, but isn't this a justice issue? Are we willing to even talk about it? Do we have any responsibility to talk about it? 
Or how about in a society that values production and success and climbing the, the corporate ladder and, and having the, the houses and the cars and the accoutrements of, of, of a successful, prosperous society? Are we sacrificing our own kids on the altar of financial success? Is that a justice issue? Should we talk about it? Should we care about it? Where do we see the either subtle or not so subtle forms of racism, racial inequalities in our culture, or even simply the racial separation of our society? We've talked about this before. Sunday morning in Christian churches is the most segregated time in our culture. We as Christians don't even know how to worship together. How are we going to solve racial issues in our society when as Christians, we haven't even figured out how to overcome that barrier that that has gone back for ages and ages and ages? Is there adequate food, housing, medical care for anyone in need in our society? And if not, do we care? Should we care? Is there something we should do now? Think about it. We're talking about the United States of America, right? The most successful, prosperous nation in the history of the world. If we go outside and go into the majority of the world, how much more could we add to the list of justice and mercy issues that that we don't even have to think about here in our country because it doesn't affect us? We could talk about the hashtag Me Too movement. We could talk about human trafficking. We could talk about issues of mass incarceration. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think sometimes it becomes so overwhelming and sometimes so big that we just shut it off. And like an ostrich, we stick our head in the ground and we just don't want to talk about it, right? And yet, and yet the Jesus creed calls us to love God and to love others. And loving others means that we, we work to restore people to God and to restore people to one another as we learn to love mercy and to do justice in our world. And the reality is, if we're really honest, as a human society, and it's not just our society, but it's every age, right? We fall way short of God's ideal for what he would have us be and do in his world. So what can we do? What, what can we do to, to begin to restore human beings to one another and to, to, to dignity? What can we do to begin to make things right? What can I do? This is a question for me as well, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have any easy answers, and, and I have just as much responsibility as the next person. Next week, we're going to begin going deeper into the practical application. If this biblical framework is a part of how we are to think about our our role of doing uh, justice and living mercy in our world, how can we begin to think about what, what can I do? What can you do? What are some steps that we can take to begin to continue the conversation and to maybe get involved in actually making a difference in our world? What might it look like for us to be pursuing a society of Jesus creed justice, of restorative justice that actually seeks to restore broken lives, broken communities, and broken relationships? And what do you think that would do for our testimony about the reality of a living Christ who has given us his mercy and his grace and the power of his spirit in our lives? Do you think people would begin to maybe take a a little bit more notice that maybe this good news of the kingdom of God is something they should look into more? I think they would. As we prepare to come to this holy feast called communion, where we celebrate God's justice by sacrificing his own son, 
breaking his body and shedding his blood so that we wouldn't have to experience the punishment that we rightfully deserve. As we come to this table, I invite you to just allow the Spirit of God to speak to your heart about how he might want you to simply become more sensitive and aware of these kinds of issues of loving mercy and doing justice in your life. So that as a church, as we move forward, we can have open and honest conversations and really begin to look at how can we follow Jesus and join God in what he's already doing in his mission of love to the world. Amen? Would you pray with me?